Here at the Mothball Prophecies, we take the spooky season seriously. Perhaps too seriously. To some people, Halloween is a once a year, get dressed up and take candy from strangers kind of holiday. But for us, Halloween is life. Halloween is something you live and breathe. The ghosties and ghoulies come out to play all October long. So to spread the good word of our blessed holiday, we've made available some All Hallows Eve Mothball merch. Come and celebrate with us in our tea Public store, The Mothball Prophecies. Find the link to that and so much more in our Instagram bio, or shop with us on themothballprophecies.com. Happy Halloween. You see, people collect all kinds of things. New, old, priceless, worthless. Darling, it doesn't matter what. I simply must know why. Those mothballs shouldn't get to keep all the secrets. This is the Mothball Prophecies. Hello and welcome to the Mothball Prophecies. I'm Samantha Mashburn. And I'm Jill Huffman. And today we have a spectacular guest with us who is living her Halloween dreams to the fullest. My spooky soul sister. She is known as the Halloween Collector on Instagram. Today we're sitting down with Laura Lee. Hi. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for sitting down with us. I was telling Jill, um, and like I said, before we started recording, I was like, I finally found somebody that gets it. She did. She she like, (laughs) every time she gets a guest, she's like, Jill, you'll never believe. And then she literally said, I found my Halloween soul sister. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, there's another one of you guys. (laughs) Yeah, but you take it to the next level. And I love that because you genuinely live your favorite holiday out every day. And I can attest to like loving that myself because I wear my pumpkin earrings in the mm-hmm. middle of summer. I have these big platform boots that have spider webs on it. And people will be like, Hi. are those Halloween shoes? And I'm like, no, they're not Halloween <laughs> shoes. <laughs> so when did... When and why did you start just collecting Halloween stuff? Like, what was the tipping point for you? Um, well, I've always liked Halloween. I've always been obsessed with it. And, like, I always wanted to decorate to, like, an insane level as a kid. But I feel like my parents, like, weren't on board. You know, like, parents were like, oh, you know, whatever. Like, they're just really not into it. My mom hates Halloween. She said that many times. Oh. Um, so when, I, so when I got my own, like, apartment, that was, like, 2008, ish I was like you know this is my chance this is my time to shine like I'm gonna decorate to the full hill like false the wall decorate everything so that's when I started like decorating and like really like trying to figure out what my style was what I liked and then I was in Barnes and Noble this was like probably 2008 or 9 and I found you know those old um those books that are like antiques guides like antiques guide for 2009 and so uh-huh. I picked one up, I randomly opened up to the vintage Halloween section and I was like oh my God, like what, like, this is like the coolest thing. I mean, I'd heard of Vintage Halloween, but I'd never seen like multiple pages of it. So I wasted $45 on that book. And I was like, (laughs) now, of course, after 2009, it's like, like not even useful. So now it's like a doorstop. But yeah, um, after that, I was like, I have to learn everything there is to know about Vintage Halloween because I have to have this. Like I have to find it. I don't know where I'm going to find it. And so that's when I started like thinking that this is like something I could collect, something I could get into. um, And that could make my decor really cool. 
But of course, it, by all the prices were also insane. You know, like three hundred dollars for you know paper mache JLL is a little out of my price range when I'm like twenty seven. So, um, <laughs> so that's when I started going to like Michaels and Marshalls and getting sort of the repro pieces. But then I went to an antique store and I found my first piece, which was a little tiny place card from like the 1920s and it had like a little girl in like a witch hat with like uh, a jack-o'-lantern it was probably like tiny maybe like four inches by like two inches and it like it was like 25 dollars and i was like come to mama mm-hmm. and that, <laughs> like anytime i could find something in antique stores like online yeah yeah i just loved it well and that's like when i you know i started with my grandmother much like you did collecting and going to the shops and stuff with her and like peeking into these glass cabinets and my grandmother's the same kind of way. Like, she could be like, just fuck Halloween. She's like, it's too spooky. It's whatever. <laughs> and I, but I was always drawn to, like, more macabre antiques or, like, Halloween mm-hmm. stuff. And I remember seeing Victorian calling cards and things, postcards and stuff like that that mm-hmm. had. And I was like, this was a real time in history? <laughs> You're like, I didn't just make this up in my head. Everybody did it. Yes, which also brings me great comfort because I always tend to do things that nobody else is doing. Did you, when you first started collecting, did you start collecting like all Halloween stuff or did you, like, was it like the spooky horror stuff or more towards the affinity of where you are now? I think it's always been sort of where I am now, like sort of like sort of happy, like vintage, like I, I'm not really into like macabre, like severed heads or anything like that as much as I like sort of 1950s sort of and before type imagery. Mm-hmm. And so I've always been drawn to that. And then once I saw the books, like, of course, there's like those collectible books you can get, like I think um, what's this? Mark Ludenbach has a really good book called Vintage Halloween Collectibles. And that's awesome. That's just like 200 pages of like vintage so after I saw all of that, I'm like, yes, that's what I love. Like that's, mm-hmm. I could just pinpoint my style that way. But I think I've always sort of liked that, I guess. I don't know. I'm going to have to what look about that you? book up because. <laughs> it is redonk. I It is like redonk. That's what happened to me when I was going through like stuff. Cause I love the 1950s and like um, people used to buy me like the table books for pinups and I would like flip through it. And that's how I found like the artists and stuff that I like. But now that I know there's a Halloween book. <laughs> You know, as soon as she mentioned it, your eyes just like lit up like Christmas. (laughs) Like, wait a minute. Like everything. And it's like everything you can think of, like die cuts, like J. Wells, like costumes. There's another one by Stuart Schneider called Halloween in America. And that one has sort of different stuff. But like it's also a price guide. So it shows you like what things are worth. They have like all the the 10 noisemakers, like different sections. Then he has like the inner sanctum, which is like the most rare of the rare. And it's just like you're just drooling. Like get a mop. Cause it's just so good. I just started putting, I'm a little late to the Halloween train this year. And so my husband brought up my tubs of Halloween stuff and my friend was over last night and she goes, she's looking around and it's pared down quite a bit. Cause I have a toddler now, but she goes, so would you say you have more holiday decorations or and I went, oh, <laughs> Halloween? I was like, I have three full bins of Halloween decorations. And she was like, Oh, and I was like, yeah. And I buy it all year long. Like if I see something at a store, I'm like, I need that Halloween item. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think, well, Jill, you lean more towards like holiday, like Christmassy stuff, don't you? I do, but not traditional Christmas stuff. Not like the Santa and those kind of stuff. More like, I don't know, like the trees. like Oh, like sisal trees and stuff yeah, like, like that. that. Yeah, I don't I know. know I haven't too. really found my style yet. I'm 40 years old. I'm still looking for it. <laughs> 
That's all right. We'll help you. We'll guide you along the way. Maybe I'll jump on the Halloween train. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, you should. Yeah, well, I have 12 bins and counting of Halloween alone, <sighs> I think. Holy I, shit. Yeah, it's dangerous. So does it stay up all year long at your house, or do you rotate stuff in and out? It stays up all year round in my office. So my office is Halloween-themed. Um, and I've shown that on my Instagram account. I have like so leaves, it's sort of similar to what I have here mm-hmm. in my living room right now. Um, the leaves on the ceiling, and so that stays up all year round. And then I have little pieces here and there, but like I love so many different styles. Like I can't. I just like I love like Victorian seance, like full Victorian. And I love like the Hocus Pocus house from you know the Sanderson sisters' house. Mm-hmm. Like I love like first period colonial and Victorian, and like it's sort of a weird combination. And then like some Halloween stuff thrown in there. And I like the 80s, too. So I figured I can mix it up and have Halloween in one location. It won't be completely insane, but yeah I, I always go into like when they set up like the spirit halloweens or different things like that i'm like what is going to come home with me as halloween decor and what is going to come home with me as home <laughs> decor exactly <laughs> that is also halloween <laughs> and i have is this- your house halloween year round yeah, yeah, I have stuff yeah, up like I is. I have my Scentsy warmer is the Jack O' Lantern Scentsy warmer yeah. and it's up all year round. I have well, everybody knows I collect hair at this point. I have some hair. Um, I'm like, what else? I have the skulls up all year long, all Very over cool. my house. Yeah, I have a Halloween pinup that hangs up all year long. She just moves around. Yeah, yeah. Yours is like an Easter hunt sometimes because it's like you're sitting down and you're like, oh, there's the skull. I thought it was over there. You moved it. I did. I got to keep everybody on their toes. And so I just, and then I put like up like a candelabra or something. Yeah. It doesn't, it's bad. It's a problem. Don't, no, own it. Okay. It's yours. All right. You take it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, and I feel like too, because you shop a lot at like Michael's and um, other stores we no longer have where we live because they just closed our Tuesday morning. Oh, no. But I find a lot of really great repro stuff there. What do you, when you go out and hunt for decor and stuff, what are you looking for in particular? Anything that, like, looks like it can be vintage, like, Bethany Lowe, like, makes those great lines of, like, so that almost looks like it's vintage. And last year, it was, like, the end of the season. Like, I think it was, like, early October. And you know how, like, normally when it's not Corona crazy 2020, normally, like, Halloween is, like, out of the store by October. And so if you find stuff in October, it's like, wow, it's a unicorn. So I found this, like, Bethany Lowe paper pole bucket that's, like, you could put a light in and have, like, a witch hat. And I'm like, this looks real. Like, it looks like a genuine vintage piece. So I'm always sort of looking for those, but they tend to be more rare and random. Like, a lot of things are made of resin now, which I'm not really a fan of. But um, the vintage, look, I'm somehow drawn to black cats and pumpkins. Like, on pumpkins and pumpkins. I don't know why. I was in my office. I'm like, I have a lot of JLs with black cats sticking out of them. I don't know. I'm just into that. Well, <laughs> next like, time I see one, it's like, put it down, put it down. You don't need another one. We have forty five. I love, the, yeah, but I love the Michaels line that's been sort of vintagey recently. That was really cool. And then Target just had that John Darian. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. I wanted. They had this like full blown skeleton pillow. Like, oh, I, I ordered that. that. Yeah. Did you order it? I wait. I wait. Stay up till two in the morning. For that to like launch, I'm like when is this gonna launch? So like at eleven, I was like, I'm like, well, it's probably gonna launch at midnight on the on the west coast. That'd be like two in the morning. So I'm like, I'm gonna stay up to two in the morning. And at two in the morning, it launched. I'm like, I'm behind the pillow. Uh. <laughs> like guys, I've literally lost my mind. I stay up two in the morning to buy a pillow. 
like they, crazy. it was because it, it's really truly like colonial old ass Halloween. Like mm-hmm. that, it is yeah, the like, colors. So cool. Oh my god! And I was like, so I just cool. want the big skeleton to just put in my house to scare people. <laughs> yeah, I could see it like sitting in the corner as I come around. You're yeah. like have a button and it says, "Hey, and you're hey." Like, it's holding it yeah. espresso. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I just bought um, how Home Depot this year had like really great Halloween stuff for outside. And they had a full articulated skeleton for $30. Ooh, that's a good deal. So it's going to stay on my front porch all year long and just rotate yes, out of I outfits. I, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to just my neighbors be like, oh, she still has that wait a skeleton minute. on her What porch. is the skeleton's name? Oh, yeah, it hasn't come to me yet. Oh, it's got to have a name. I know. She hasn't told me. He or she has not articulated it to me. I hope they do soon. I do, too. Because I like to say hi to him when I come to the house. <laughs> I forget it's out there, and I go to take the trash out. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then I'm like, I put that there. And I have its arm up like this waving. So <laughs> I pull into my driveway, and I go, hey. <laughs> I know. I'm always like, sup. Well, and you live, don't you live in a townhouse, right? I do, yes, in Houston. Oh, so you don't have fall. It is so <laughs> depressing. Every year I'm like, why do I live here again? Like, why? Yeah, my I grew up in Massachusetts, so that was like full fall. So, oh, so you went to like beautiful fall to just a little bit less warm. To like jungle, and it's like, it's you know so when you cute. get out of the shower? like a really hot shower and it like fogs around up you go outside and it's like that i would, like i would die yeah your sunglasses fog up and i'm just like why do i live here but then like the winters are like sort of like 50s 60s so that they're like sort of warm so yeah. those, those are good the summer yeah my best friend lives in um league city outside of houston uh-huh. so i go down there in january Smart. to get away from the frigid cold here because it's usually yeah. like what negative 23 yeah, we're in idaho 30. southeastern idaho oh my God. Yeah. so then i love when i go down there and i'm in t-shirts and shorts and everybody's bundled up because they're freezing <laughs> <laughs> it's like when we went to mexico in october i was like yeah let's do it oh god yeah it's currently we're sitting at it's 52 degrees right now oh how do you um, anything here. This week we're Please. supposed to get down to 25. Yeah. Overnight. It's supposed wow. to snow next week. Yeah. I think. My husband was like, it's real windy today. And I was like, it's going to be over soon. <laughs> falls gonna be- this is one of the longest falls we've experienced in a minute. Yeah. Because it generally, it gets so fucking cold so fast and then it snows and it knocks everything off the trees. When does it snow there normally? Uh, like, it now? can start anytime, like beginning of October. I wow. re- growing up on Halloween, our Halloween costume had to fit over a snowsuit. Yeah. Growing up. When you pick out your costume, it's like, oh, can I put my snow pants mm-hmm. under this? Oh or you goodness. pick something like w- that would require a snowsuit. Yeah. So like princesses were out of the out of the question. No. Get rid of it. Oh my God. I have a my mom made me this princess costume and it was pink. And I look back on the pictures and I look like a pink marshmallow because I have so much snow stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, it's always but we have really beautiful summers here and the fall is kind of mild. But the yeah. rest of the time. But it's nothing like Houston where it's just like hot. Hotter, hot and wet. 
What it's led like you? The top level of hell. Yeah, like hot. yeah. That's how All my fun. best friend will describe it. I would be. <laughs> I think maybe that's why I have like the leaves hanging from the ceiling. So I'm like, I have to create it. Yeah, like Somehow. you're bringing your own little fall. I think it's you. genius. When I first stumbled across your account, adorable. I was like, oh my God. Because really, you've created a full atmosphere inside your house. And for our listeners that are listening now, get on your smartphone and go look up Loralee's Instagram at the Halloween Collector and look at the way she has her like front room decorated right now. And you are also starting an instigation of me having a Halloween tree. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I told You'll my husband, it. I was You'll like, so, so fun. I would oh my God. I'm kinda honestly surprised you don't have one I yet. Know. It's because my husband is like They're so fun. And you can like even like decorate for other holidays. Like See, I'm like, if I have a black one, I could do it for He's like, let me give you the yeah. tips so you can have one. This is what you <laughs> do. Just tell him you can decorate for whatever holiday there is. A black yeah. one is versatile. Yeah. Go roll right yeah. into a vintage Christmas with a black tree. I there know. Like Dustin, listen. He doesn't listen to the show. He won't know. He won't know what's going on. Because you have so for what the listeners will be looking for is these leaves that you have hanging from the ceiling, and then you have also on one wall. Is it in your living room or your dining room? The wood fabric. That's such a good idea. That's my living room. Yeah. She has this panel cut out mm-hmm. of like slices of log. Yes. Oh my god. What? So a- that's an IKEA fabric from like. I think maybe like 2012-ish. I think I got it around 2013, 14, but it's just, that's the pattern on the fabric. And Ikea has super cheap fabric. Yes. And so I was like, come to mama. And also I'm a sucker for anything that was like, like a realistic sort of textured print. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had that. And I'm like, this is going to be cool. And I've had this in so many different places. Like I just keep the fabric. I have it in, I had it in my apartment. I had it in my like cottage. I lived in the whole country in Texas for a while. Um, I had it in there and now I have it in here. So it's just like, it's fun to you can recycle it and you can get different looks when you're bored, I get bored often. So I think like changing up is fun. Yeah. Probably yeah. to do. So. Yeah, I do too. I will just like, I'll be sitting here and they'll go, oh, I should redecorate. And that, which is why I love decorating for holidays. Cause I get to see, <laughs> I put all the summer stuff away and get all the rest of uh-huh. the seasonal stuff out. And I'm like, oh, I forgot I got you. I know. That's how, yeah. it, that's how it's going to be when I unpack, when I move into my new house. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be like, oh shit, I've got five of those. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Look at what happened to us. So you grew up in Massachusetts. Did yes. you live there until you like moved away in college? When did you move to Texas? So I moved there at the beginning of high school. So I, I lived there from when I was maybe like two or three to like when I was about like 14, 15. In Massachusetts? So that- Super shock. Yeah. Cause so I, so I grew up like, you know, we lived on a three acre, um, three acre house sort of a colonial reproduction house. So it was like up on a hill. There's this big white house. We had three acres. I had like all my friends, I could ride bikes everywhere. Was, and then we moved to a townhouse in Houston in July. Oh my God. And I was like, I want to jump off a cliff. Like <laughs> my mom's from Houston. My mom's family's from Texas. Like they're from the South, like back from whenever, centuries ago they've been here so I, I grew up coming to houston to see my grandparents so it wasn't like you know an alien nation i'd never been to but living here and living in it like going from like a huge house to a townhouse and then like my dad and i went to home depot and like we couldn't find the car and it was so hot so oh I was my like god why do we live here but I, I really got into i loved my high school so i really got into that and i like got into choir i was a choir nerd i lettered in choir <gasps> me too I lettered twice. Yeah. I was in choir from middle school to high school, lettered twice, and I was in the presidency. I was an alto and a bass. 
Me too. Oh my gosh. You had your episode last week. I have mine this week. I know. Dang. (laughs) So that made up for the culture shock because I got into like fun activities, but it was still no fall. And it was tragic. Oh, well, you literally went from Allison and Hocus Pocus. Basically. To. It's a good uh, comparison. To hate Because the house is similar. Right. That's what I'm picturing is just your family. Yeah, that's totally what I was picturing. I picture me driving by your house being jealous and just like flipping it off. (laughs) Not knowing you. Being like, that's supposed to be my life. (laughs) Alas. I didn't even live on that much acreage like where I'm from. I've never had acreage. One so day. That's all my little No, farm. I don't want a farm. I'm a city girl 100%. You can come visit. <laughs> We're getting like, it's a 0.3 acre lot. And I'm like, this is too big. <laughs> too big. We should tone this down a little bit. <laughs> and my husband's from the country and he, they used to live on a five acre horse property and my husband's like one day we're gonna have some property and i'm like no we're not some property <laughs> what no. is he samuel but Elliot? then he throws in like because i always want like a miniature donkey and a miniature pig he's like i'll get you your donkey and your pig and i'm like oh well maybe <laughs> that's we'll the only reason i want property is for small animals <laughs> that are supposed that come in comically small sizes i know the little miniature burros <laughs> yeah i just want one i want my own pumpkin patch oh yes okay. So Pumpkin was patch. this with the grandparents you saw in Texas? Were that was that the grandma you antiqued with? Yes, we only antique a couple of times. Like my grandmother was like the most wonderful person on the planet. Like she looked to be ninety one almost. Oh. She um, but her house was like you know the Gilmore Girls' house, mm-hmm. like Emily Gilmore's house. It was like that, but instead of being like French style, it was like English style. It was like Queen Anne, Georgian. Like very like the the living room had like wall like wall panels of wood like on the ceiling like that so that was sort of her style and um so we'd go like I remember she got like a country house and we went to like this one antique store and like we're looking at all these cool antiques and she's like yeah so this is what I want for this room and like so I was like helping her sort of plan how she's gonna decorate it and she just had the best taste like the best taste and she'd like randomly give me stuff like she found this um it was just like Arabian sort of lamp um and it was like. I just scared the dog. Okay, I moved. Um, Toby's like, oh my god! <laughs> what the hell? So I, it was like this Arabian. It looks like it's sort of like an Arabian style lamp, um, like maybe like a Moroccan style, and it has all these like you know plastic oh. colors in it. And so she just like, here, do you want this? I found it in the attic. I'm like, okay, like that's the coolest lamp ever. But like, so I guess it, like she had such good taste to help me sort of like know what was good quality, like hone my my style, my mm-hmm. taste. We have the same. We have the same. I I feel like you guys should do like the little like twenty one and me test to see if you're like distant cousins or something. Because that's literally. So I usually talk about my grandma on almost every show, and that is my grandmother. Yeah, and that was yeah my grandmother. They spent thirteen years in England in the Air Force, so a lot of my antique influence is heavily English. So it's a lot of Queen Anne. It's a lot of old stuff. My grandma has excellent taste. And so I would, when we would go, I'm her only granddaughter, so she'd pick me up and we would go hit the antique stores and she did the same uh, thing. She would like turn China over and go, do you see, she would read the what the maker was and where it was made. And she goes, so this is probably made after this date. And so a lot of my early knowledge of antiques is from just being my grandmother's antique shadow. Like, And she would be like, hands in your pockets, Samantha. <laughs> Don't touch anything. 
Uh, I know she just love grandmothers. They're just the best. I do. And she, you know, oh. it's so funny. She, I interviewed her, but her episode won't come out for a little while. And she, I talked to her again the other day and she goes, did you take out what I asked you to take out? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, it hasn't been edited yet, but I'll take it out. And she goes, okay, thank you. But she's like, we're FaceTiming. And so she's looking at me like <laughs> with the grandma face. And I was like, yes, grandma. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I will. Stop staring at me. Yeah. She's like, I'll take, I'll eat your soul if you don't take that out of there. <laughs> so yeah. And my mom, you know, she wasn't, she, she antiques in her own way, but I definitely am more in a line with like what my grandmother collected. Did your mom collect at all? No, my mom, my mom's more of like an athlete. Like she was sporty. She's like the volleyball player. Like she was a big, um, she was. My mom like, lettered in volleyball. My really? mom lettered in what is happening? My mom I started the volleyball team at her college. Oh, like my, my mom was like hardcore. Yeah, like she was like super sporty, like super talented. Like, and I can't like I couldn't hit a volleyball like with my eye, both eyes open, like <laughs> with a warning. So <laughs> with a, a piece of plywood. That's me. Yesterday we yeah. were at my daughter's soccer game, and somebody like literally kicked the ball, and it was like coming towards <laughs> me, and I'm just like leaning off to the side, hoping it doesn't <laughs> hit me. And my husband's like, were you even going to try to catch that? And I'm like, no, I don't know. No, that would cause more pain for me. No, I, there, there's the reason I was a cheerleader. Yeah, there's a reason I was. I was player. cheerleader in fifth grade. Hey. Oh, see. Off Full circle. Off Warner. Nice. <laughs> nice. I did sports growing up. I played basketball until I was in You're middle cool. school. And the town I grew up in. I'm not going to get too heavily into it, but it was kind of like you were either in or you were out. Mm. And my family was not in. And so a girl made the basketball team over me that couldn't even dribble a ball. Oh. And that's when I was like, okay, I'll just go to something else. And that's when I went heavily into choir because my dad is has a heavy musical background. Mm -hmm. So I went the other oh, cool. with it. Yeah. You know, you do what you do. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I'm like, you know. I, I traveled to whatever I did with in high school with sports because I did the mascot thing and then I was a manager one year. So I got I got the best of both worlds with yeah. it. Not all of us are made for sports. No. That's just the fact. Yeah, I have no no athletic ability, so I'm just That's okay. You can sing the national you know. anthem. Yeah, See? that's true. You could. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Exactly. So that's what does your um so did anybody in your family ever really collect or was you were you the odd duck out? Minus your grandmother decorating her house. I don't really think they're collectors. My brother was an elite athlete growing up. So it's like, he was actually a major league, not a major league, but he was a minor league baseball player. He's in all oh. levels of minor leagues. Like, and it was like having a sibling that is that excellent at like as a child, like it was just so cool. He's two years older than me. And so like, that was sort of like the family focus, like, you know, mm -hmm. get John on like the, you know, New England Mariners, like the all region baseball team. Like, so it's like, they weren't really into collecting um, as much, but like, that was something I always loved. Like whenever I wonder if you have the same feeling, but whenever I went in an antique store, I felt like I was home and I was born in the wrong century and I should be in the Victorian era. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I'm like, someday I'm going to have like a Victorian yeah. house. I mean, I haven't done it yet, but someday. Um, so it was sort of like in the dreaming scheming and as a kid, but no one really collected. I mean, I'd go to like the flea market and like, there's a fall festival in our town. Um, and like, it was like a boot sale from like everyone in the town. And it was like, you could just buy stuff. And I'd be like, I have $5. I'm going to buy something. But like, mm -hmm. yeah, they weren't really into it. Yeah. I share I that same affinity with like going into antique stores and like constantly wondering about the life they had before me or like, because nothing I had growing up was as pretty as what was in an antique store. 
Yeah. You know, especially like I what my first like things that I would like lust after were like the vanity brush sets. Ooh, that would yeah. have like the Those brush and the comb and the mirror. I would just I just you know, in Cry Baby, when she's like in her room crying and she's like brushing her hair and she's catching her tears. <laughs> I was like, is that what people did with these? Did they just sit in their room and like look longingly out their windows? You're like sitting at, and I'm like, okay, is it? Wait, nope. Okay, this is how we did it. <laughs> yeah. I, you were grossly underestimating my weird imagination as a child. See, and well, we, since I grew up in the Air Force, we moved all the time. So we didn't really, you didn't collect anything because right. for fear it would get broken. Yeah. Or you were like my yeah. grandma and she always talks about when they moved everything home from England. She goes, I kept them fed and I gave them lots of good tea. Yeah, no, we didn't. Yeah, no. My dad was more like, don't you drop that. I'm like, dad, let them do their job. Jeez. Yeah, so that was, you know, it was definitely like a lot of the the make-believe. Yeah, I and it's still that way for me. When I go to a store and I see somebody who has a booth that's put together really well, and mm. you know, like look through it and... Then, like, living vicariously through a lot of the people we follow on our social media, Yeah, that's, too. that's what I just do. I'm like, ooh, good fun, good fun. I want that. Yeah. Or I'm like, oh, I didn't know I wanted that. I know. Like, your little leaves on your ceiling. I'm like, hmm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to do that in a room. <laughs> well, and you, so you have now, in your big kid life, you have, do you work as an artist? Where does, I want to know, like, where are you classically trained as an artist? Did you go to school for it, or is it just something you learned how to do? So I've always been an artist. I was classically trained as an artist. Um, my, that was my major in college. I actually wanted to do interior decorate, like interior design, but my college didn't have it. And I was like, well, I love this college, so I'm just going to do art. And then I got really into it. I had really fantastic, like amazing teachers. And we had a small liberal arts school, Principia College in Illinois, small liberal arts. So the classes maybe had like 20 students in them. And so we got really hands-on education. I took oil painting and like figure drawing. And I went to France and studied abroad for a semester. Wow. Um, we went all over France. Um, we went to Enfleur. And we went to, and it's like in Normandy. We went to Paris. We went to Saint-Lys and Sarlat and like saw Monet's house. And like, that was just so inspiring. And like, this is so cool. Like, I definitely want to be an artist. But like, it was like 2004. Like the interwebs didn't really have social media. It's like, how do you be a professional artist? Right. Right. Like, so during in galleries, I was in a couple of gallery shows with some other awesome artists, like doing portraiture is sort of my thing, like symbolist portraiture. Um, so I'm doing that for years. And I was like, well, I'm gonna have to get a job because like, you know, you can't live at home forever until because you could be 75 before your art career takes off. Like that's also something like when you're training as an artist and want to be an artist, you don't know that information. At least mm -hmm. we didn't when we graduated. Um, and so I ended up being a curator and getting into the museum industry. And so I was a curator for five years for a Texas collection. Wow. And then um, I've been sort of all over the place. I worked for um, an art advisory just recently, and but I've always done art on the side. It's always been my favorite thing. Um, and doing Halloween art, something I've started this year. Oh, um, so and I have a new, a new shop yeah. doing that. I did a mural. So I'm like, I need to do more murals. I think 2020 has given us a lot of time to like really think about what we'd like to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the time to actually execute it, which we wouldn't have had before. Mm -hmm. So Exhibit A podcast. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, and so, okay. So. I want to talk a little bit. I want to get to the mural cause I love it so fucking much, but I want to talk cause I'm curious about the art curating side of it because is art to me, art is like subjective. Like you either like it or you don't. And is that where the value lies in art or what? Like how does, how do you even begin to value art and curate it? And 
Well, I think you start with who created the art. And so you have like, um, say, for example, the Texas collection that I worked for is the Bryan Museum in Galveston. And Mr. Bryan has like the world's largest collection of Texas art. It's like paintings and also like documents on Stephen of Austin, like everything Texas related. So if he's looking for, you know, a painting, he's like, well, I want, you know, a painting by this famous Texas artist. And so people are looking for that artist. And those are the dead artists. And so it's like sort of just like what's collectible, like you'll have one artist who does blue bonnet paintings, they'll be like, well, that's really collectible because of the colors. And so what are they painting? Who are they? Have Do they have like an auction record of how they've sold things in the past? Um, and so that sort of gives it value. And then also like for modern art today, um, that just depends on the collector really and sort of what is new and exciting. Like Andy Warhol stuff is always going to have a high value. Like the major names, Monet is always going to have a high value. Um, but it's really interesting. I was working for the art um, consultancy firm this past year. I left in January. Um, but it was really interesting to see like what people in like high-end homes were buying and like from the galleries. And like they could be anything from like an artist who does sort of like tiny cut paperwork and puts like, you know, all these pieces of paper together and forms these huge pieces and he sells them for 90 grand. Um, or, you know, and it's just crazy because like seeing the careers of these people that have just sort of blown up. Right. Because um, mm-hmm. they do really interesting things. And they're not necessarily realistic art. They can be any type of art, but it's really how does it sell? Where's the demand? And do they have an auction record? Do they have a secondary market? Wow. And that determines the value. Hmm. That's but that's so stuff you have to build over time, right. too. And it's also, it's very like who you know, sort of like, um, like if you're going to go the gallery route, a lot of people have gone rogue and just been like, I'm just going to sell on Instagram or, you know, and that's totally fine. There's many different ways to do it. Go to art fairs. Um, when, you know, it's not the Rona. Now you can't go there, but, um, <laughs> right. Everything's the Rona, yeah, um, but yeah, so they've just done it over time. I think that like, everyone's like, I'm going to be a famous artist, but it's like, it's always, everyone's artist path is unique to themselves mm-hmm. and it always involves on its own timetable. So you really can't be like, I'm going to be a famous artist by when that time I'm 40. And like, it's like, you could be 80, like, right. Or you could has, never achieve life, it and then uh, die. And then your stuff goes wild. That's probably why my parents, because I wanted to go to art school. I wanted to go to design school. And that was my plan. I was going to go on the East Coast. And my parents are like, you'll never make money. And I was like, oh, but I want money. So then I like, I literally, you can ask my husband. I changed my major so many damn times because I was like, nah, I don't like it. Nah. But what about, no, no art school. We got to get this again for 2021. I know. I know. I mean, you could be like a graphic designer. Like I regret not, I was like, I'm going to be, I took, I did the fine art track mm-hmm. um, and I was encouraged to do that. Um, but I was like, I should have gotten like a teaching degree too, or done. So you need something to fall back on. Yeah. Because my parents get married and have a rich husband and then not have to worry about money. But yeah. you know, you know, that didn't happen for me either. I'm just kidding, yeah. honey. I so love you. That, <laughs> you know, when you're like 18, you're like, I'm going to get married, but out of college, like, you know, it's just stupidity, but like, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So that's a great life plan. So having something to fall back on, like graphic design, like, cause I can't, I, I have no idea how to do Photoshop. Like, yeah, me neither. like no, I tried it like, once and I was like, I don't like, understand. Like, turn it on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I can't do it. I cannot do it. Like, like I'm 39. Like I, I feel like I'm ancient at this time with technology. Like, I don't even know. I, then know. I, I, I wish I had done that. I wish I'd learned it, but yeah, maybe let's make it, let's do a goal setting. Like I'm going <laughs> to learn this winter how to play the guitar. <laughs> Okay. Can you, you learn how to use Photoshop and you learn how to use Photoshop and we'll, and we'll then we'll re- in a year. And then we'll be like, how do we do this? What do I'll we be do? like, wait a minute. I'll be texting. I'll be like, wait, how did you do that? Cause I can't get that to do it. 
Right. The <laughs> fabulous thing about the time we live in now is that YouTube is a thing. Yeah. And you can really like type in, oh, how do I blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that does help me a lot because I'll be on YouTube a lot and I'm like, God, I feel old though when I mm-hmm. have to text how to work something. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm only 40 yeah. years old. I should be able to figure this out on my own. Well, and you've turned, I mean, and really, I mean, you've turned your art into a job in a more like 21st century way. Mm-hmm. Like you have your Instagram. You just did this incredible mural in your dining room. She did. I don't know if you've seen it, Jill, but it is two walls of her dining room, a full scape of the Headless Horseman. Yes, I did <laughs> see that. And I... So cool. Holy oh, shit. So you. cool. <laughs> Holy shit. And your brain works like mine does. Like you see something first before you paint it. Like I one time I had this image in my brain of this ogre with a floral crown it just her little portrait and I painted it for my mom in watercolors and then I gave it to her and I was like she just needed to exist I guess here you go mom yeah I do that too like with because I do cakes and Mm. so when I do my cakes I'm always like it has to have this kind of flavor with this kind of toppings right so when did when did your headless horseman first come to you to want to live on your walls um well I had a mural like percolating like like, I don't know if this happens to you too, but y'all have like pieces in my head of a piece that I haven't painted yet, but it's like one corner. It's like the right hand side. I'm like, well, I don't know what this is, but I see it in full, full color. So I've had this sort of like autumnal landscape in my head. I'm like, I want to do a mural somewhere. Like I want to do it. I could do it in my living room. I mean, I've never painted a mural in my life. Like I'm like, this could be total crap, but I'm like, that'd be really fun to do. And then so Treetopia, it was a partnership with Treetopia to do their Halloween tree this year. And I'm like, well, and that the theme was 13 haunting tales. Oh. And I was like, the headless horseman could be my thing. Cause like you, and I was thinking about doing my other one. This is sort of stupid. Have you guys seen Mr. Boogity from Disney channel from like the 1980s? Yep. That was my other one, but I'm like, no one's going to know that movie. Like it's so like <laughs> random. So, and I don't want to do a Mr. Boogity mural. I don't want Boogity's face in my wall. Yeah, so, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know just like every time you're eating is like staring at you. You would end up in some like Boogie. weird Buzzfeed article. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, that would just be crazy. So I'm like, I'll do the Headless Horseman and I'll paint a mural. And I always got yelled at in college for this, but I never plan anything. I'm just like, I'm just going to draw it and then paint it. And I was always yelled at, but I paint fast. So I'm like, okay, I have three weeks. I can do this. Like talk myself out of it. My friends talk me into it. Like you should do it. So I'm just, so I'm like, I know I want to do a a chase scene. And the image in my head was the day. It wasn't like a night scene. Normally you'd think a Headless Mm -hmm. Horseman is the night scene, but then that was going to be really dark like a dark because mm-hmm. you know it's going to be like tonal like blue like navy a navy painting right, like you're right. like we need some fall so i decided i'll do a day scene i'll just draw it out and then i started painting it and i was like what have i done <laughs> this, this is a behemoth and uh, like and then you get in the middle of it and you're like this is a disaster i should never paint again i have no talent you know like that whole this is great oh it's a nightmare oh i'm a genius this is a piece of crap like you go back and forth this like, is me every process. sunday at about 10 o'clock at night <laughs> yeah. before i make the episodes live i'm like well this is garbage light everything on fire yeah. goodbye goodbye it's like i should go eat worms because this is just a piece of garbage so but yeah. then like when i got the first wall done i'm like this is cool like this is going to be cool you just have to keep, keep trucking. I had like a week left. I'm just like, it was like six hour, eight hour days. I'm like, I'm going to get it done. And then I'm like, this is cool. And so at the end I was like, yeah, I could do this again. I think this is cool. So I'm glad I did it. Well, now, I was watching yeah. your, you did that big, fantastic Instagram story walkthrough. So I was like, how do you, like, I am a very, like, it is remedial 
painting or any type of stuff like that. And so I'm like, how do you in your brain build those layers of like the background, Mm -hmm. the foreground, the depths of color? Like I do that on somebody's head as a hairdresser. But I'm like to commit that to a flat surface and not make it look muddy and messy. And I, yeah, I think me like when we learned to do like realism, it was about laying shapes. Mm -hmm. And so and I've been a photoreal, almost photorealistic painter for portraits for years. And so it's like when you're doing an eye, you don't think you're painting an eye. You think, okay, well, this color on this side of my eyes, this dark color. And then you just layer the colors. You're then you're creating the illusion of an eye, but you're painting shapes. And so this is like, so when I was doing the mural, I'm like, okay, so we have the front shape, boom, it's this green color. And then you just layer the extra colors on top of it. <laughs> I've tried to explain it so many times. You're like, what the hell? No, this, is, like, this is the best way I've ever had it explained. Yeah, really? That's how okay. I see it. So many things like, are clicking That's in my how brain. I see it. Like I see you do a first and then you like let it dry, stand yeah. back, and then you come back. So the and first. Do- yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, exactly. So you have the first, so like the first thing is like a dark layer and then you have like the mid-tone. And then the highlight is always the last. If you're doing oil or acrylic, if you're doing watercolor, it's the opposite. And I'm god awful. If I painted a watercolor painting, you're like, you should quit because like <laughs> god awful. It's so much harder. So much harder. So, but so that's how my brain works. Like I can break the layers out in my head and see each layer and cut. You know those like movies where like you have someone thinking and they're like in their mind that's showing in their mind that's blowing up and they can mm-hmm. see each layer. Mm-hmm. That's how I think about it, just naturally. And so like I was naturally good at oil painting and acrylic painting. So I'm like, I'm just gonna stick with this. And so you do the first layer and you think, okay, now I'm going to step back and this, this much section, which is this shape, this long is going to be a lighter color and you paint that. And then each section is a lighter color and then it creates the illusion of a landscape depth. Wow. But it's a a much easier way to think about it because you don't wig yourself out. You're like, oh my God, I have to paint a tree. I have to paint an eyeball. You're like, I'm painting a brown shape, dark brown shape, a lighter brown shape. And then you step back and it's a tree trunk and you're like, damn did it and that was I think the first time this clicked to me is I bought um recently I've been buying more art when I go out shopping or thrifting or whatever estates I love thrift art and I found this really cool it was a souvenir and it's probably four by two and a half Mm -hmm. and it's an oil painting with all the great texture and it's a beachscape and like this this close it looks like shit but I, yeah. And I was like, this is just really cool. I love the sentiment of it, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I put it up on my wall in my kitchen. It's on the washboard on the oh, gallery yeah, yeah. wall. And I was sitting down last night and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> it looks so good <laughs> from here. Yeah. 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 Which that may sound really stupid to some people, but I was like, wow. No, I'm, it's, I don't know. See, and I, cause I do like design. My husband is very like black and white. So he can't see the whole picture when I'm explaining mm-hmm. something. Because in our old house, I painted one of our rooms like this really pretty um, aquamarine blue with a gray ceiling. And he's like, no, that's horrible. That is a horrible idea. And I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) Just trust me. If you don't like it, then I'll repaint it. And um, I did it. I put all the furniture back in because he was just like, nope, nope, nope. And I'm like, let me put the furniture in. It will all go together. Trust (laughs) me. And I was like, you got to trust the process. Mm -hmm. And so I did it. And he was like. Okay, you know what you're talking about. I'm like, screw you. I do too. Like, give me more credit. Yeah. But yeah, I think like that. I think in layers. Like, okay, this yeah. is one layer, and then I have to layer it on top. Yeah. That's cool. And I think it's mic- also good if you're stuck too, thinking layers. Like, mm-hmm. if you're stuck on something, break it into layers. 
that was one of the things I'm going to just do because I like to, when I'm sit- sitting in my craft room, I just doodle or paint or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I bought like a watercolor pad and I was like, I'm just going to doodle and paint this year. Now I'm excited to like look at it from that angle and see what different things. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime my kids had a craft project, it was funny. They'd be like, mom, can you like draw this for me? And I'm like, sure. And I'm like sketching and stuff. And then they'll be like, that's not it. I'm like, just second. And I like work it. And then my husband would be like, you're actually really good at this. And I'm like, <laughs> and then they like, I know. <laughs> They don't believe you, and just and I it know. comes together. Well, and then it's yeah. like because I didn't go to school for it, it's automatically I don't know anything. No, you don't. Yeah, you didn't go. So, but no, I love art. I well, and I was I wanted to ask if your affinity for the headless horseman comes from your family history, because you you have a really cool tie to Massachusetts that yeah, not a so lot of I people didn't have. Know that? Oh, until maybe ten years ago. Oh, really. really? Yeah, we didn't know that. So this is a Twilight Zone moment. I talked a little about this on YouTube. Um, So, okay, I'll just go into it. it. So um, (laughs) Salem, I'm obsessed with Salem. I was obsessed with Salem as a kid. And I went there in like 2006 with my dad and my sister. And like, you know, by the Salem Witch Have you guys been to Salem? No, no. It's on our to-do list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, they have like this memorial for the Salem Witch Trials and all the, you know, the people that were falsely accused and, you know, murdered and everything like that. And then so right behind that, is this like first period 1600s like brown breathtaking house it's called Samuel Pickman house and I literally am obsessed with first period houses like I don't know why I just love like that beautiful simplicity I love like the sort of the old English like hocus pocus witch house type vibe I saw this house and I was like come to mama I took 500 pictures of it made my sister take a picture of me in front of it this is 2006 so we had like film cameras you know like you know, <laughs> this is like old school take 500 pictures and of course the window panes have those you know like um diamond shaped window panes like i think mm-hmm. it's owned by the essex museum so like you can't tour it um i know you can we toured the house of the seven gables which was redonk um but this one i don't think you can you can tour but i was obsessed with it and so my uncle philip my mom's brother um he is the most cool guy ever he's actually a japanese translator he speaks japanese fluently wow, he lives yeah. in japan and he's married to my aunt Chiska, who's japanese um so he just like does genealogy on the side mm-hmm. and he's like hey i did more research on you know our family and it turns out you know we had this this branch of the family the pickman family that came to salem in 1624 and i was like Wait a minute. Hold on. What family is this? He's like, the Pickman family. Nathaniel Pickman is her 10th great-grandfather. And I, like, spit out my lunch. I was, like, at the museum, like, working, like, and I was, like, wait. So I, like, Googled the house, and I said, okay, Samuel Pickman. And then I I emailed him back on, like, my lunch break. I'm, like, are we related to this guy? And he emailed me back. He's, like, that is your ninth (gasps) great-uncle. And I almost spit my water. It was, like, one of those, like, spit your water at, like, the screen type things. Because I was like, I felt so connected. And apparently that house was built by Samuel's dad, my 10th great grandfather, Nathaniel. He was like a house wane. I guess it's like a house builder. Oh, my God. Holy crap. So he was, you had a family that built the house too? Or did he, was Samuel Pickman the one that was building it? So Samuel Pickman was the one who owned the house and his dad built it for him. And okay. Samuel's my So his dad is my 10th great grandfather. I'm a descendant from Samuel's sister, Marjorie. That is like... And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I was obsessed. Like, I was, I felt so obsessed with this house. And, like, to see, like, a structure that your 10th great-grandfather built is, like, insane. Did you immediately want to go back to it and just be like, my 10th great-grandpa... Put your hands on it and have, like, that moment where you time travel? 
Uh, exactly. I always think that's going to happen every time I touch something. Uh, seriously. <sighs> See? Um, creative people, artistic people. Um, <laughs> but I went back a couple of times. I think I went back in 2015 and I was just like, oh, like I'll stand in front of it and like take my picture. Uh, I really want to go in it. You should be like, actually, this is my family's house. I know. And it would be like, move out the way. Yeah. But I think it's owned by the museum there. So I don't know. But I'd love to go in it. That'd be so cool. But it was so crazy. It was like the most random coincidence. So yeah, they came to Salem in 1624. And like they were there during the witch trials. We weren't accused of being witches. They were like, well, don't fucking talk to her. She's being accused (laughs) of being a witch. Get out of here. Um, so my uncle's not found any connection to that, but like we're, I have a bunch of different Salem families. Um, and like, he's just, he's tracked it all the way back to like the middle ages. Like he's tracked it back to, we had like ancestors that worked through Henry VIII. Like he's like, he's an awesome like researcher. Like he's like tracked the family. I had another branch that came to like Jamestown in 1617. Like, like he's like full on, but the Salem one, of course, was the most exciting one. I was like, this is crazy. You're like, yeah, yeah. Henry who, I don't give a shit. What, tell me more about Salem. I know. (laughs) Go back to the circle back to this. Well, and where we live in the country is, I think we talk about this in the next episode too, which is funny. It's ironic, but uh, family history here is a huge thing in there. Mm -hmm. Um, The area we live in is largely LDS Mormon territory. Okay. So there are people that go to the church historical building. I'll figure out the real name for it in the curio corner. But they go and they just research their family history. And then they, once they finish theirs, they go to a family that's since passed on or whatever historical records they have. And then they go through and they do that whole thing. And my great-great-grandmother had done it back to what they say, Ooh. Adam or Eve. But yeah. yeah, I just tell everybody I'm related to King Kamehameha. Yeah, because why not? <laughs> why not? I'm Hawaiian, so that's an automatic. That's so cool. <laughs> I know my dad's like stop telling people that and I'm like we don't know it's not true yeah dad that I mean, is so cool my it's maiden really cool. name may was uh it was king in Hawaiian see so. there you go we're related probably <laughs> probably there's cool. well and I imagine that like learning that tidbit too it went from learning about that area of Massachusetts to now you're learning like all of the ties that you have to just even the ground you're walking on. And I can't even imagine how cool that feels. Well, I kind of know how it feels, but mine's not as cool because my family settled the area that I'm from. They've been here for four generations. They got homestead oh, cool. certificates. And so it's fun to walk around and there's like a street named after my family and Different that's so cool but it was farmland yeah i don't have any of that so you know hold on to that. we'll find it for you what's our goal mothballs it- you heard the call here first <laughs> we gotta find jill's family history you know who knows and we have to learn photoshop yeah. Very yes important. i know Guys. see it's building that list is getting longer so what the hell else are we gonna fucking do <laughs> it's know. 2020 and the world is on fire hey i'm still working <laughs> so i don't get the luxury <laughs> This is true. This is true. <laughs> I don't get to stay home and work from home and drink also. So one day. I know. We'll have it. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, I think that when you're a creative person too, <clears throat> the stuff you lean into and the stuff you kind of like glom over, you eventually start to find out the connection you have to it in like this cosmic way. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, isn't that? And it always makes things feel a lot more important than like when you initially started. And I love when stuff starts to take on different facets. Mm -hmm. And like now knowing all of this about your collection and why you do what you do, it all makes so much sense. Like it's such an intrinsic part of who you are 
top to bottom. Like, no wonder it's uh, done so effortlessly, really. Thank you. Yeah, I love it. It's something I love. And it's yeah. it shows in everything yeah. you do. And you recently started selling some of your art too. Where can where can our listeners find your stuff? Yes. Yeah, so my um, my art studio is called Halloween Hill Studio, and I have an Etsy store, and it's you know on Etsy. And then I also have Society Six and T Public stores. Oh, and I'm going cool. to be launching my pen on uh, this this coming week on Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm still waiting for the backing cards, but it is of the Halloween Hound. It's so cute. And oh. it's his two goal for school um, design, and it's like a two inch pen. So I'm launching that, and I'm going to have prints of my mural. Oh, also. <laughs> both of us. You're really, yeah. <laughs> And I'm, I'm hoping that they look good. I'm waiting. I just took photos. I'm going to have it professionally shot and then maybe photoshopped together as like one large panorama, but I have to do that. So this is just two different prints of each wall. Oh my so gosh. So this coming so week, cool. hopefully. And we'll have all of this stuff up on like um, our website and on the Instagram where you guys can find all your stuff to see where awesome. Laura Lee's stuff is. We'll have that all linked. And now it's time for my favorite part of the show. I hate this part. The estate sale walkthrough. And this was this was a fun one to write because I had a couple different areas of your life to pull from. And Ooh. there's some weeks that are really challenging and some weeks that I'm like, oh, this is going to suck for me, too. And Jill likes when it sucks for me, I too. do because you get to, like, feel my pain. <laughs> Even though this is 100% imaginary, yeah. I go home with regret. Every week. And then when I listen back to the audio, I'm like, fuck, I should have picked the other thing. I <laughs> So with the estate sale walkthrough, um, I give you two options, two to three options with each selection. The only catch is you can only pick one. You can't pick any other. Okay. Today, we're back in your hometown in Massachusetts because what better place to pick for the things we're after today than in one of the most historic places in the world? We're picking at an old estate in a beautiful home. It's a mix between a colonial and a Victorian. They liked to dabble in both sides, so they just kind of threw it all together. Uh We first walk into the carriage house and we start picking through the bins they have set up. There was a lot of stuff in this house. And so there's a lot to pick through at this estate sale. On the bottom of one of the bins, we see there are jars of old marbles and the lids are oxidized and rusted shut. Or there's a collection of glass insulators in a box too. In all the colors that they come in, not of just course, the brown ones. Of course there are yeah. because I mean. Why not? Why not? They had a great eye oh, for design. What are you picking, Laurelie? What was the first one again? I don't think I heard. A jars. There's jars of old buttons, vintage, or uh, marbles. marbles. Excuse me. Marbles. So marbles or insulators? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think I'd go with the insulators. Especially they come in different colors because yeah. they're like, you could just arrange them somewhere. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm, yeah. I think I'm going to go insulators too. I'm going to go with the marbles. Yeah, I kind of figured yeah. you would. But I was, I'm shocked on the insulator response. I know. There are <laughs> well, you said different colors. Yeah. Well, because the brown ones are like, eh, cool. But like I recently saw, I went to that garbage flea market this oh, last yeah, weekend. Yeah. And um, they had a bunch of different glass insulators. And they had like blues and whites and greens. Oh, yeah. And I See, like, I'd all be, oh, I'd you be like a wall insulation with that. That'd be cool. Right? See, why is this not real? This is, I'm getting excited about this I'm, now. See, you're going to. Nobody take that. It's you're going to like be full of regret. I was thinking you could put it like like Christmas, right? Do like an abstract tree set up with insulators Stop and put lights underneath of them. Stop cool. it. This is how you end up with too much shit in your house because you come up with these ideas. I know. <laughs> and then you meet awesome people and you're like, oh no, I've got to collect what they do. Yep. All the time. <laughs> so we've got our arms full of our goods. We head up to the stairs and then straight down into the basement. 
downstairs, the woman that lived in this house was an artist. Of course she was. So we're down in her art room, and there are piles. It is a true artist's room. Nothing makes sense. There are piles everywhere. And we can dig through and pick our own lot of either paintbrushes or old palettes and paint sets. We can pick through the room and take all that we want, but we can only pick these two things. Ooh, I don't... That's I'm a gonna... hard one. Oh, you're welcome. I am going to go with old brushes. Oh, shit. See? You already regret your choice. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch place. I'm gonna go with the palettes and paint sets. Oh, I... only because I have a very particular thing that came to mind. I know. Well, that's the thing. I'm like, ooh, I there's like certain things I could do with both. What are you picking? Probably palettes and paint sets because palettes are so versatile, and you could just reuse them over and over. Paints tend to dry out, but I mean, if they come with like the palettes, you could use them. Because brushes are just dumb. You can buy like cheap brushes and just use brushes whenever. So. Definitely the palettes and the paint sets, I think. Oh, it's hard. <laughs> I know. You get the answer out and you're like, no, 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 no. I think I'm going to do the paint brushes because I have some um, dried flowers. that would be cute with them in yeah. there mm-hmm. and some other stuff. And I was thinking the palettes and paint sets because I make little paper putts houses. And I was Ooh, thinking how cute would that them. be to make a little scene oh. on the palette with the putts house. Oh, oh that's so cute. Damn it. I'm going to make some Halloween ones. Oh, oh cool. I love paper houses. So I'm going to, as soon as I get my shit in order, I'm going to make some for Halloween and Christmas. Fun. That's so cute. Thanks. Okay. The last stop, we head upstairs to the master bedroom where they have displayed all of the oldest items so that the old lady in the corner can watch everybody. <laughs> so they don't steal it. So there Staring are, this is another lot situation. And there are, and I'm sorry. Okay. There is a lot of either vintage costumes and masks or paper pulp holiday items. Uh, I gasp. <laughs> um, I take it we're a fan of the paper pulp. I'd have to do paper pulp. Um, I don't know because they like to play dress up. Mm-hmm. Um, shit. Mm, I think... <laughs> Your face. I like going Jill is tortured. I right am. Now. This is so fake, and it's it plays on my <laughs> soul. Um, I probably would go with the paper pulp holiday stuff too. Oh, see, I already regret it. I I am going to go costume, just simply because I want to put them on the skeleton on the front porch. <laughs> <laughs> if they're not too old, I you know. Or there was a house I went into with the antique study group, and she had a mannequin in her basement that she had her flapper dresses on. Oh, see, cute. so you could get. Well, see if there so were flapper cool. dresses in there, I probably would have gone vintage costume, whatever you want. Jill. I know, I know. That's why I regret my decisions all the time. Yeah. Need specifics, like what kind of costumes? What are the JOLs that are in the collection of this imaginary shopping trip? It's usually whatever your heart's desire. Yeah. Ooh. It's so like basically the, the any book. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like the Neverland of picking. It's whatever your greatest. You know, here's what's going to happen because we put this out into the universe. We're going to go to an estate sale and this is going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Which I hope so. And then you just literally come from the basement and walk up to me and punch me in the throat. I will. Yeah, I will. <laughs> with the Pyrex dish. <laughs> he hit me upside the head with a piece of Pyrex. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Oh, man. Well, I'm glad it wasn't too torturous for everybody. It wasn't. I try kinda. not to be too mean, but uh, it is. Fun. She is. She, you do, though. You, 
you like have that evil giggle too as you're making it. You're like, this is gonna be a good one. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. Thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Yes. We oh, thank, thank you so much you. for having me. It was a blast. I can't wait to order my own print of the headless Yay. horse. Yeah, me too. It's incredible. I'm super excited Ooh, for and that. I can put it in a cute frame and it'll be a part of my Halloween decorations. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, be sure to give Toby the Halloween hound some extra veggies from us. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I will. He'll, he'll be very happy. He heard you say that and he lifted his head up. So. Oh, at least I didn't say the W-A-L-K. Uh-huh. Yeah, don't say that word. I won't. Never say that word. I won't. Thank you so much for sitting down with us today. To hear more about all the stuff we talk about in today's episode, stay tuned for the Curio I, you know, I always say like, I'm so glad we got to talk to them. But when I stumbled upon her, when we made, when we first made like the Mothball Prophecies Instagram account, it Mm -hmm. gives you suggestions. Yeah. And she was one of our, and I was like, oh. No, honestly, as she was talking about her history, I'm like, "Mm, I'm sorry. Am I sitting with the same people? Like, I don't understand what's going on. Well, and I kept, while she was talking, I'd like, look at you. (laughs) You're like hitting me. And I'm like, um, hmm. So, are you guys, like, separated by birth? Mm-hmm. Like, is there some back history? We could probably be related. I'm pretty sure you should really do the, like, DNA thing to see how you've re- you're related. Because I'm pretty sure you are. I know. And then hearing about, like, the house she grew up in. Holy shit. I gotta move in. I know. I, and, uh, you know, we learned at the, at the very end of her episode, we learned about that tie she has to Salem. And while I was reading that information, too, I, like, looked up at you. And I was like, you'll never believe this. I know. Like there, (laughs) it was so scary. Like this was your episode because you had so many like things in common. Way too many. It was very cool. She was adorable. Oh man. And then our cute little dog, the Halloween hound, Mr. Toby. I know. I can't wait to get one of those pins. I'm going to put it on my apron at work. Oh, that's yeah, how my pins that's a go. good idea. Yeah. Oh, that's He's so cute. I watch every morning. She does these little Instagram stories of Mm -hmm. him getting his vegetables. That's right. It's the cutest goddamn it's thing. It's so cute. Well, and then, you know, she said while we were recording, I said, give him his extra serving of veggies. And he just like perked up. I know. He's like, yeah. Yeah, listen, you got it. Listen. So we talk about her tie to Salem that she found mm-hmm. out a lot later in her life. A lot later. And I was reading through and um, the history of the Pikmin house. This comes from ghostcitytours.com. Of course it does. But it mostly it had some really great concise information because it Mm -hmm. could get wikipedia gets real long-winded on some of this stuff Mm -hmm. so um the house located on 43 charter street was built by samuel pickman in 1665 he was a sailor much like a majority of the people in the salem town at the time and once the colony had been established the town's port attracted wealthy merchants and mariners um, so a lot of the early construction belonged to the people in that line of work in the town of Salem. The land of which the dwelling stands was bought by Pickman in 1657. He is thought to be the original owner of the home since the estate inventory mentions the house in this spot. And then they think that it was built by his father, Nathaniel Pickman, who was a which, carpenter. Yeah. And which would have been her, what, ninth great-grandfather? Tenth, Tenth Yeah. Then in 1964, the house was purchased by the historic Salem Inc. with the intent to preserve it. They could not finish the preservation, so it transferred to Philip A. Budrose, who completed the full restoration in the 70s. And in the 70s, they had tours that you could go through the house, and there would be mannequins that you would push Mm. a button, Mm. 
and they would activate and they would speak, you know, in their mannequin way about the 17th century stuff. And then they were, had the paraphernalia and whatever. I just imagine like the Chuck E. Cheese, like animated tronic. <laughs> Animatronic. Like, that's exactly what it was. But they were just talking about carpentry and fish. That's it. <laughs> and then um, while the tours were being conducted in the home, the layout consisted of three bedrooms, one on the first floor, two on the second floor, a kitchen and an attic that was converted into the curator's quarters. But there was no mention of a bathroom or a living area. Oh, which is interesting. That's the important part. But maybe it was like the kitchen was the like you didn't lounge. You just got up and worked and hated your life and then ate dinner and went to bed. So similar to 2020. <laughs> That's how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> um, in 1983, the house was purchased by the Peabody Essex Museum to conserve the historic significance. So, no, they don't do tours yeah. anymore um, because the house is so fucking old. <laughs> well, you know, they didn't use, they don't build them like they used to. No. And it's in, they say that the door handle on the, the house is the original. Shut up. Yeah. I was like, that's, oh, so cool. that's so cool. And then in uh, 1992, the Salem Witch Trial Memorial was built behind the Pickman House where the markers were placed to commemorate. And I imagine with the traffic that comes through Salem every year, yeah. you can't have every building have a tour because it just wouldn't make it because no. people suck. Because people like to touch things. Mm -hmm. Next to the home is the Old Burying Point Cemetery, the oldest cemetery in Salem. Mm. All three constitute part of what is known as the Charter Street Historic District. And then while I was reading this, this other little ding, ding, ding of how Laura Lee and I are whatever among. So as you know, by now I garden pretty heavily and I take my tomatoes seriously. Um, Some would say too seriously. A little too bit, guys. I grew this year because don't start seeds during a global pandemic because it's out of panic. I started 35 tomatoes. You know, when you told me <laughs> And you're like, this is a tomato, and this is this tomato, and this is this tomato. I, I looked at it, I'm like, what are you doing with all yeah. these tomatoes? I lost several of them to damping off, which is a seed-borne illness that circles and chokes the plant out at the soil line. Because the universe knew you didn't need you that don't many need that tomatoes. many Roma tomatoes. It was from the seed. So, anyways, I had thirty plus tomato plants this year, but it was a strange year, so I didn't get overwhelmed. But one of the past residents of the Pickman house was a French painter, Michel Felice Cornet. The artist was famous for his beautiful marine paintings, murals, and portraits. However, his most important accomplishment was introducing the tomato to the new world. The, the look I just gave Joe was like, but wait, there's more. In the early 1800s, <laughs> when Cornet arrived in Salem, he quickly noticed that no one consumed the red juicy fruit. And he grew up in Italy. So he was like, well, we got to fucking change He's that. He's like, what's wrong with you people? This is the best fruit ever. So there was, and I read about this in a different book um, called Epic Tomatoes. And <laughs> I get it. Okay. I got a problem. It is the Epic Tomatoes is a historical walkthrough of tomatoes from when they started to hybrid tomatoes now. Okay. It's a beautiful book. I bet it's gorgeous. It's great. And they talk about this when he was introducing tomatoes to the new world. He would set up these like sideshow kind of things or he would sit on his porch and he would, the tomatoes were thought to be poisonous because nothing that good should be good for you, right? So he would literally just sit and eat handfuls of tomatoes and be like, I'm not dead. They're delicious. I just see like some guy standing on the cart. Come on, come on. <laughs> Watch him eat the tomatoes. Will he die or will he live? Yeah. Then he's just munch, munch, He's munch. just like eat them like apples. Like, yeah, which see? I do. I do. I do too. I love tomatoes. They're so good. They're really so, good. Um, he didn't die. And as soon as the misconception was forgotten and they weren't bastardized anymore, 
it forever changed the course of New England cuisine. Well, thank you to you, good sir, for bringing the tomatoes. Right. Because if we didn't have those, we wouldn't have pizza, oh, which I love pizza. Love tomatoes. So, but, yeah. So that was an interesting. That's um, so uh, That was such a cool thing to learn about her, too. Could you imagine like loving Halloween and then being like hashtag Salem? And the fact that her uncle was like, oh, yeah. And she's just like, what? Like, I was just there. Oh, that's so cool. That's That's so so cool. cool. But all her little Halloween decorations. I, when I was, so I decorated like the night before this (laughs) and the way we set up when we do a Zoom meeting, I was like curating where she was going to see the Halloween decorations. Yeah. It looks cute. It is adorable. And you did very good job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really love it. But she has, she puts me to shame. She, she, a little bit. Mm -hmm. But catching up. You are catching up, but you can catch up even more because one of the people that do these um, cute little decorations that she has is by Bethany Lowe. Oh, she's so cute. She's adorable. So I actually found this information on uh, BethanyLowe.com, her own designs. Darling. Um, And this is uh, like actually her biography of herself and where it all started. So it says, I grew up on a small Midwestern farm in Illinois. My mother was a homemaker. My father was a veterinarian. Holidays were magical time for my family and our rural community. We dressed up for costume parties and mummers parades. We had pumpkin carving contests and trick-or-treated throughout our neighborhoods. We went from horse-drawn sleigh rides and ice skated together on country ponds. Oh, ideal. I like, I just, do you have that picture of like cute little families just running around and like knocking on the doors? And it says, we went caroling door to door and built snow forts and snowmen to greet passerbys. As a child, one of my favorite traditions was creating May baskets for from paper and flowers special gifts that hung on the doors of friends and family. The most wonderful time for me was when our family gathered to decorate the Christmas tree and the boxes of ornaments and decorations came out of the attic and wrapping them was like opening a gift of memories with each ornament telling its own story. Our child made ornaments from school projects always brought laughs and teasing for my brothers and sisters and sister. But my mother made sure they all had a place of honor on our tree. Our tree was not the beautiful, most perfect design designer tree you would see today. But my memories of that tree are some of the most vivid and cherished recollections as it brought us all together in the spirit of the season. Unfortunately, since my mother always allowed her four eager children to help, not many of our beautiful ornaments survived, which may be the one of the reasons I create new decorations with an old-fashioned vintage feel. Did you? We did that growing up. We decorated our tree. It never had a theme. Yeah, it was all, <laughs> we each had our own box of ornaments and we put it. Yeah, up. so when I grew up, we just it was like whatever we wanted. And then when I grew up that way, and I was like, nope, my tree is having a theme, and it's going to be spectacular. And it was until I had children. Yeah, and then they were still babies. It was fine. And then they got older and they wanted to decorate. So you know, you probably with your little toddler 
one section has all the ornaments Mm -hmm. and nothing else. Yeah. And then they get moved. And so like one section will be bare and it gets moved around. Yeah. And then they go to bed and then you fix the tree. Yeah. No. And now my kids are older and my daughter likes to make it sure it's all even and stuff. But my son's just like, yeah, all these red ones go to one side and all these silver ones go to the other. And you're just like, okay. But I like how she tried to keep that vintage feel because nowadays decorations are just a little too much. And I I love a vintage and antique Christmas decoration more mm-hmm. than modern day stuff. I do. I do have a friend though and he is a designer and his trees are magnificent. And I just look at him and I'm like, teach me your ways because right. I wish my trees would look like that. We used to do the Festival of Trees every year with the salon. Mm-hmm. And we would do one every year. We did a Nightmare Before Christmas one one year. But I remember watching like these other people set these trees up. And the amount, and everything has to be wired to the tree. Yeah. The amount of shit they pile into those trees. Yeah. So the, this friend, he does the festival tree. Well, he did, I don't know if he does it anymore, but he does it in Boise. And he would have, it would just be, like he would like do his stories on like and setting it up. And I'm just like, yeah. Your mind is just mm-hmm. fascinating to me. Yeah. Because just the themes alone for them. Well, and even like with Laura Lee's house, yeah. the theme that transfers from room to room in each part of her house and then that mural in the her dining mural. room. I, I love a creative brain. I do too. And the fact that she was like, I didn't know it was going to, I just started out in this one piece and then it just, like that's how I and my brain is too. I'll start one area and then it just kind of expands until it explodes either right. for good or bad. Right. And that's, you know, I just put up one of the printer trays that I got mm-hmm. and, and it, it was because I was like, I got to have the right spot for it. It's got to flow right mm-hmm. with my house because, you know, my house is the upper floor is kind of like open floor plan ish. Yeah. So everything kind of has to mold into itself and I'm very happy with how I place it. And it's it. funny too because you'll like see that spot all the time and then until you like. It's been bare since yeah. we've lived here. And then you're like all of a sudden you put it there and you're like, oh. That's yeah, perfect. That's where it's supposed to go. It's on where the, if you looked on, if you saw on our Instagram stories where I put the Halloween masks first and I moved them to where I wanted them to go originally. Mm-hmm. Um, another interesting thing she she kept saying, and I didn't really know what it was until I looked it up, is she kept saying J O L in her episode, mm-hmm. like L O L, but J O L is jack o' lantern. I know. I was like, I kept saying, I was like, jingle all night. <laughs> yeah. But no, now that you say it, I'm like, Shh, yeah, it's jack. So, um, another interesting thing we talked about with her was paper pulp, which is something we all commonly know as paper mache. Mm-hmm. And one of the things she wrote to me in her email as her uh, what one of her like holy grail items would be this antique vintage paper mache jack o' lantern, and it is it's a rare lidded J O L with closed features. It's sold for a thousand dollars. We really couldn't find a ton of information on paper pulp. No, it was more or less like you. It was like paper mache. Mm-hmm. You ripped up papers, put some glue in it. But with these, it's almost like they put them in a mold. Right. They weren't around a balloon, like you said. <laughs> Which those were horrible. Yeah, but we couldn't we couldn't find there a wasn't like, definitive. A and I wonder if it's similar to like folk art. Yeah, because it was kind of, I wonder if it was just kind of those things like you just knew how to do it. Yeah. There wasn't, everybody did it. So there was no reason to really write up. 
Yeah. The and history it's, of it. Yeah. So then they're formed into more commonly, like there's a lot of Halloween effigies. There's like uh, devils, black cats, pumpkins, owls. Some yeah. Like painted. the common things you would see, especially back in that era. But they also look like dehydrated, like shrunken heads. Right. Like and skeleton. They're highly collectible because they're made out of a super fragile material. Yeah, which I don't know if I'd want to have one because it would break in my house. Right. Well, I was pulling out the velvet cat painting mm-hmm. and I, I noticed that it, something had rested on it inside the box. Oh. And, but I was like, it's all right. And I had um, a friend over last night and she was looking at it and she was like, I don't think it was meant to be a skeleton. I think it's just a poorly painted cat. And like now looking at it, I think it's supposed to be like a striped tabby. Oh, oh, it is. But it, to me, it reads. It does look like a skeleton, skeleton. cat, though. And it's kind of got a forked tail. Yeah. It's, and it's, yeah, it's not well done. But it is one of my favorite Halloween pieces it's to put out. It's super cute. And we'll put a picture of that on our Instagram because it's yes. adorable. And another picture I'm going to put up will be my greenhouse. Oh, we finally finished. We finished building it. It is constructed. I'm not sure that we're going to be able to throw paint on it before it gets too cold. To no, not do because anything. it's literally going to start snowing here, guys. Yeah. So we're going to get it sealed in. I'm going to post pictures of it. And then once we finish painting it and doing all that stuff. So, yeah, I'm super excited. And I talk about it in a previous episode, my husband bringing home random things. A lot of those random things helped build the greenhouse. And one of my my planting stand inside the greenhouse is on top <laughs> of that broken candy machine stand. Which did he was like, I told you so. Yeah, he did give me that look. You know, it happens. Yeah. But, and we have countertops. Yeah, so close. So hopefully, well, I, I really imagine that we'll be moving in Halloween weekend. So no fun trick-or-treating plans for me. I'll bring you you some treats. Bring me treats. Yeah. Wine. Wine will probably be. I'll bring you a grip of wine and a grip of White Claw. There you go. There you go. Happy Halloween, (laughs) Jill. Trick-or-treat. I'm not helping you move anything. I know. Here you go. There's the liquor. (laughs) See you later. To find everything we talk about in today's episode and to see all of the amazing stuff that Laura Lee creates, you can find her link tree in her bio at the Halloween Collector on Instagram, and that'll send you to everything she's doing right now, all the stuff she's going to be selling, the adorable pins of her Halloween hound, Toby. Yes. And to see everything we talk about in today's episode, visit us over at the Mothball Prophecies original on Instagram and Facebook, themothballprophecies.com. Or where we try to learn how to use Twitter at the Mothball Mavens. And as always, we hope you guys find some cool shit. And if you want to find that Halloween stuff, you got to dig for it. You got to. That's how I found them masks. I know. Look under the tables, around the corners, in Mm -hmm. the boxes. On top of that bookshelf. That's right. Got to find it. Okay. And shit's going to go on sale too, guys. Yeah. Got to find it now. You got to be there. Okay. Have a... Will we see you? Yeah. We'll see you guys one more time before Halloween. Yeah. Get your shit together. Social distance. A lot of Mortal Kombat characters this year, I'm assuming. (laughs) So remember to stay spooky. And stay real. Yeah. Bye. See ya.